Thank you, Trevor. Thank you for having me here. Newly appointed community pastor. Mm. Whatever that means, I haven't got a clue. <laughs> but uh, for those of you that have uh, um, given me greetings and were there for the ordination and induction, thank you ever so much. If you've not had a chance to watch it online, please do, because it will send it up to around 300 views, and that would be really cool. No, just joking. <laughs> I was quite amazed at how many people have watched it. I was like, look at this me. Just keep clicking on and off, and just keep the numbers going up on YouTube. That's what we... <laughs> um, but something um, I was just, just pondering on, um, just during that time of worship, was um, when I had the Q&A session for this role... One of the questions, which was very, very good, I thought, was how will um, Tyne Road, how will this group of people, you, be able to engage with the community? It was a really good question. Um, And it was based on, you know, how can I word this properly? (laughs) Even I'm not a spring chicken anymore. Okay, so, so, but it is, it is, because obviously there are those things, aren't there? It's just like community paths are going to be actively involved in the community, and actually for some, that may not be easy. But I want to explore that with you. I really want to explore that with you. I don't believe that age is a barrier. I think sometimes it can be, and it can be in our own heads. You know, I, I, with everything that's kind of gone on with my leg, I've had to look at what are barriers now. I can walk down the rising. <laughs> can I walk up the rising? <laughs> That's the question, and I've brought my stick with me just to make sure I do. But it's things like that that I do want to, over the, you know, the, the coming period of time, is be able to actually have those conversations with you because I do believe that you have so much to offer uh, your local community, your neighbours, your friends, um, on, on reaching them um, the love of Jesus. It's as simple as that. And I really would love to explore that. But that's not for today. Um, but I just, just wanted to say that. One thing I would ask is, is your prayers. I haven't got a clue <laughs> what the Lord is going to be doing. I've kind of got an inkling and an understanding. Um, but I've got to be really careful that I don't bite off more than I can chew. Um, I'm a little bit like that sometimes. And it, it's perfect for what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, because there's, there's, there are so many things, there are so many people that I could have conversations with within the church, within the community, and before I know it, my diary is completely full and, and, and I'm not having time with God or, or actually strategically thinking properly. So I would value your prayers for patience for me, <laughs> uh, um, but just some clarity as well. So if that's something you guys could do, I'd really appreciate that. So we're kicking off a new series uh, called An Unhurried Life. Um, so Wayne, uh, I had a good chat with Wayne, uh, he's, he's doing exactly the same this morning in launching this at Perry Street um, and normally when a, a new minister comes on board it's kind of like right what's the, the, the vision, the strap line, this is what we're going to do as a church, we're going we're gonna to attack that hill or we're going to go for this and this is our latest thing and, and a lot of churches kind of do that, a lot of new ministers kind of do that, beginning of the new year and Wayne went no. Nah. Not going to do that. I was like, okay, what are we doing then? He said, have you ever read a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry? And I went, oh yes, I have. And if you haven't read it, it is worth getting the book 
and just spend it's it's actually a really easy book to read that's why I got through it nice and and quickly um because it is is it the, the the little subheading is how to stay emotionally healthy and spiritually alive in the chaos of the modern world. And it's by a guy called John Mark Comer. Now I read this when Ian was with us. And uh, Ian uh, and I reflected a lot on how, especially as ministers, hurry has become, busyness has become the buzzword is just like, I say to some people, say, oh, how are you doing? You, know, you must be busy. And we kind of like go, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm doing this and doing that. And it come, becomes a bit of a, a buzzword, which we kind of like have as a badge. And we say, yeah, I'm busy. I'm busy. And actually, I'm, I'm reading this book and just reflecting a little bit more, especially what Trevor read from Matthew 11. I'm not sure that's what God wants us to be doing. Um, so we're going to be looking over the next um, few weeks, uh, Four headings, silence and solitude. How are we silent with God? How are we just in that place on our own? Maybe we don't like our own company, so it's not very good sometimes, but actually we're not. You know, we're with God. Where are we taking Sabbath? Proper Sabbath. Not religious Sabbath. And I, I reflected on this recently. Um, I was, I was um, working with Father Dan from the... Uh, Catholic Church as part of my course at college, which I've now finished, which is great. I had to write an essay on ecumenical work, so other churches, other kind of things that they're doing. And I chose the Catholic Church because my upbringing was always the Catholic Church is, excuse the, the, the phrase, but even Father Dan said, we looked as the, the whore of Babylon. You know, we are evil, we are wrong. And actually what, what was quite fascinating was actually how much in common we share Okay, there might be a few theological differences, but they believe passionately about Jesus Christ, crucified and risen. And it was just lovely spending time with him. And we went and visited a lady who talked about Sabbath. And she was talking about um, the road that she lived in had Catholics, Protestants, uh, Jews as well. And and she would say that on on the Jewish Sabbath, they're not allowed to do anything. They're so religious about it. So it was the Catholics and the Protestants that were going into their house and lighting their fire for them. Because they weren't even allowed to light their own fire to keep warm, to cook their own food. Well, they couldn't cook food, because <laughs> it's seen as work. So it's actually, it's that Sabbath, it's not about a religious Sabbath. You know, as Jesus is, was accused when the, the disciples were eating the corn, you know, and they were just saying, you can't do that. And it's just like, whoa, who's Sabbath made for? So actually it's something we're going to explore as well. Simplicity. Living lives that are quite simple. You know, we've, we've, we have lives that are full of stuff. And, and how do we simplify our lives in that? And slowing. Now this one I had a giggle about. <laughs> With Wayne. I said, I'm going down to sunny, not sunny days, I'm going down to the Tyne Road to talk about you know, this, which is the ruthless elimination of hurry and everyone slowing down. I said, if we're not careful, if we all slow down, we'll probably just stop. <laughs> so, but how does, that look, how does that look for us? How does that look for you with this um, title, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry? Where are you hurrying in life? That's why I have a little bit of a, hold on a minute, <laughs> the pace, you know, my pace now is so much slower walking. 
And actually, I've started to have a bit of a slower pace in my lifestyle because I have to. I have to have that mental capacity as well. So how do you eliminate hurry in your life? And the problem that we've kind of got is that hurry is the enemy of um, our spiritual lives. Um, and and I'll, I'll read this little quote that's out of the book. I'm going to read a little bit from the book because I think it's really good to, to get a little bit of a snippet of what this guy's trying to say. But one of the things that he quotes is Corrie ten Boom. And uh, she once said that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. There's truth in that. Both sin and busyness have the exact same effect. They cut off your connection to God, to other people and even to your own soul. It's quite a statement really. But it is, when we're busy, there's kind of no room for God. And sometimes there's no room for others. Yeah, I'm on, sorry, I can't stop, I can't stop. I know what it's like when I've left my house to get somewhere to do something and my neighbours pop out. Hi Gary, how you doing? Well, here we go, right. uh, (laughs) I've got literally five minutes that I can talk to you. And it's really hard, isn't it? And it's just like, it's it's learning how to say, right, okay, I know my neighbours might be out there, I need to have wiggle room. Ian, Ian, when he was minister, he said, have you got spaces in your diary? 15 minutes before you need to be somewhere, regardless of travel time, just so that you can stop if you need to, just to talk to anyone, or the Lord wants to talk to you. I thought that's a really good practice to put into life, just that little bit of wiggle room in our diaries. Regardless of how young or how old we are, our diaries can get full with this, that and the other. And um, the psychologist Carl Jung said, hurry is not of the devil, hurry is the devil. Very powerful kind of statements from two very... um, good speakers of their time. I've started a new role. I mentioned it right at the beginning. I'm chomping at the bit. I want to get on with it. I was so frustrated when I still had one week left last week to finish my college studies because I was six months behind with everything with my leg. It was just like, it was lovely being there. It was kind of very reflective, but I got all my essays done got them in and just went, yes, now I can crack on with what the church has said get on to do. Problem is, I can see loads of stuff in front of me. I can see lots of things. And like I said, I just asked for your, your, your prayer um, that I would pull, pull on to the right things. I need, to li- I need to listen to this. Do not hurry. Do not rush into this. Um, take time. What does God want for us to focus on in this new year? Trevor said it. It's exciting times. A new role for myself. Wayne coming on board as church pastor, which really, you know, it's another minister coming on board, which is just going to alleviate a little bit of the stresses and the strains. But at the same time, what thoughts and ideas has he got that's going to help lead us forward? Um, but actually, we can run around looking for these next things. But what's God saying? I'm excited for the role. But I actually feel a little bit weary already. <laughs> I think that's just because it's just like everything that's kind of happened over the last few weeks has been quite intense. Um, 
But if we're not careful, all of us, if we just crack on into the new year, we've got some excitement and we're going for it, we can end up burning out if we're not um, careful. There's a bit in this book that this guy writes, and I like this. He says, granted there is a healthy kind of busyness where your life is full with things that matter, not wasted on empty leisure or trivial pursuits. By that definition, Jesus himself was busy. The problem isn't when you have a lot to do, it's when you have too much to do and the only way to keep that quota up um, is to hurry. Get more and more. You think, right, I've got, to, I've got to run through this. I've got X, Y and Z to do today, so I need to be quicker and quicker and quicker. There are good things that are busy. You know, there are, there are things that we can do. But the question I just wanted to, to ask you is what does this hurry look like in your life? These are the questions to ponder on and reflect on. We're of different generations. My hurry might be completely different to your hurry. Whatever you're involved with might be completely different to the person who's sitting next to you. My dad retired at the age of 50. What's weird is I'm 50 this year. I was just like, wow, wow. My dad retired at the same age as I am now, and that was it. He got out of the rat race because his two brothers died very early. One was in his 40s, one was 61. And he went, stuff that. <laughs> I'm not working for the rest of my life. <clears throat> I'm going to take an early, early cut in my pension, lose a load of money, but I don't care because it's really important that I slow down. He's now the oldest male member that's ever lived in our family, which is amazing. You know, even his, his dad and granddad and brothers all died so early. And here he is at the magic age of 75, still going. But um, he still filled his time with stuff. <laughs> he got retired, and they say you don't get retired, you get retired, as if you're getting new tyres put on. And you get busier sometimes. For those of you that maybe have retired, uh, and, and, and yeah, that initial stage, it's like to keep that motivation going, keep that thing going in your life. And actually you could fill your life up with more and more things. In so, I was talking to Wayne, and he said there were some people that have kind of like said, I didn't know where I had time to work with all the busyness that I've got and the things that are in my diary now, how did I even hold a nine to five? You know what I mean? And it's just like, it is is a very interesting question. I'm not at that um, stage in life, but my dad was at this kind of age. And we were grateful in those early years when my dad retired, because it meant we had some fantastic childcare at an early age, which was brilliant. (laughs) And mum and dad absolutely loved it. They love caring for the kids. And they, got, this is, and they got good busyness going on. They would go to Kew Gardens with Josh when he was a tiny little two-year-old who's now 24, which is a bit crazy. But that was good busyness. And each day they'd kind of like have something planned. And that was good stuff. But it's when it was hurrying to try and get to that place because we had to do the next thing and the next thing. That's where it kind of gets a little bit crazy, isn't it? Latterly now, uh, Daddy's caring for Mum a lot more and they've both slowed down. 
which is good. But Dad still says, well, I've got to put this in the diary. I've got to make sure I put it in the diary so I don't forget. And it's just like, wow, okay, you're still rolling with your diary. That's brilliant. But you have to. You have to. And that's what... Um, the, so, so really, the, the question is, how has life kind of changed for you? Um, how has uh, this life that you live completely changed? Um, there's a part in this book which I'd like to read uh, to you because I found it quite funny uh, to read. Um, and if, if you, you'll go with me on this one, it's called A Brief History of Speed. Right? Um, each one of us has got something in our lives that we can say has been revolutionary and has helped us uh, change our lives for good. And then sometimes you actually think, has it? <laughs> this? This is fantastic. I could read the Bible from this. I could make a call on it. I could take a selfie and a picture of you all. But it could also be the greatest distraction. Let me take you back. Um, let's talk about the Roman sundial. This is what this guy says. All right. The first sundial... The original um, watch, pretty much. Not that you'd wear it on your wrist, because that would be a little bit. As far back as approximately 200 BC, people were complaining about this new technology. That's the sundial. And what it was doing to society. The Roman playwright, Platus, turned anger into poetry. The gods confound the man who first found out how to distinguish hours, confound him too, who in this place set up a sundial to cut and hack my day so wretchedly into small portions. <laughs> so next time you're in a hurry or you're late for something, just quote this guy <laughs> who was hating the invention of the sundial. Fast forward to the monks, our well-meaning spiritual ancestors who played a key role in the acceleration of Western society. In the 6th century, St. Benedict organised the monastery around seven times of prayer each day. A superlative indeed. By the 12th century, the monks had invented the mechanical clock to rally the monastery to prayer. But most historians point to 1370 as the turning point in the West's relationship to time. That year, the first public clock tower was erected in Cologne, Germany. Before that time was natural. It was linked to the rotation of the earth on its axis and the four seasons. You went to bed with the moon and got up with the sun. Days were long and busy in summer, short and slow in winter. There was a rhythm to the day. And even the year, life was dominated by agrarian rhythms, free of haste, careless of exactitude, unconcerned by productivity, in the words of the French medievalist Jacques Le Goff. But the clock changed it all. It created artificial time, the slog of the nine to five all year long. We stopped listening to our bodies and started rising when our alarms droned their oppressive siren, <laughs> not when our bodies were done resting. We, came, we became more efficient, yes, but also more machine, less human being. 
When the sun set our rhythms of work and rest, it did so under the control of God. But the clock is under the control of the employer, a far more demanding master. Then, in 1879, a young man called Edison invented the light bulb, which made it possible to stay up past sunset. Okay. Brace yourself for this next statistic. Before Edison, the average person slept 11 hours a night. 11 hours. <coughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? How just that, that, that little, little history of the time, from, from confounded to the, the sundial, how dare you separate my days up into sections. I rise and wake when the sun is up and my body has said I've had enough sleep. It's interesting actually, and this guy actually says, we've got these people that say they would wake up at four in the morning to pray. I mean, all of us have probably felt really guilty. Why aren't I up at four o'clock to pray? Why am I not doing this, Lord? But these guys, John Wesley, Charles Spurgeon, They'd be going to bed at seven o'clock at night, maybe even earlier as the sun has kind of gone from a winter's day. And after all that hours of sleep, well, I'm awake now, and it's four or five in the morning, so I'm going to crack on and pray. And I think it's just, we live in a different time zone now to, to when, when that all was. In America, you had um, 7-11s were created, were made. Seven, open seven days a week, open till 11 o'clock every single day. That was it. That was that kind of, that Sunday law that kind of went and that was taken out. But the biggest thing that has really messed us all up more than anything is this. When this was invented in 2007, the humble iPhone it meant it was, it was radical, it changed so many people's lives, but at the same time, it almost became like a god. It became a master. And it kind of like, um, it's got everything in it. It's our computer. It's our diary. It's our phone. It's the tool that we play games on. We can take photos. All that kind of stuff. There it is, that tiny little thing in our pocket. And it has become kind of the master of it and he, he talks at great length about like social media and stuff like that and, and, and young people get into it more and more and more um, but I noticed quite a few of you as well on, on places like Facebook and stuff like that and it's just like again where does, where does something like that social media still affect the older generation as well mainly it's to stalk like sons and daughters and grandchildren that's what my mum does and that's what she wants to do. She's on, she's on Facebook so she can find out what everyone's doing. <laughs> I was like, bless you, that's cool. Um, but that, that part that, uh, that, that Trevor read from, from Matthew 11, I just want to read that again. Because there's something about it that really should resonate with all of us. I love watching programmes where people get out of cities they sell their house and they go and build something completely off-grid. I love all that. There's part of me that wants to do that. To just totally get away from 
everything that's kind of like the busyness in our lives and just go and live off the land. Me and Kate, that'll do. Just us. It's not going to happen. God's got work for us to do. <laughs> but it's, you know what I mean? It's that kind of love watching that. And how do we kind of get away in our day-to-day life? I'll read that bit again from Matthew 11. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Actually, no, move forward. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. It's important that we read that before that other part where it's come to me all you were weary. Because the Son knows the Father, he knows the care and the love that we need. They are one. So so Jesus knows, the Son knows exactly what we need. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As we draw closer to Jesus daily, we draw closer to the Father, who is gentle and humble in heart and wants us to take on his yoke, which is easy. Unfortunately, we take on the yoke of hurry and busyness and we forget that actually we have got the source of having that rest and repair in our lives and that is Jesus we can't do this if we're running around from one thing to another or one TV programme to another or one meeting with so and so and I've got to go and meet with so and so and I've got to see somebody else where are we giving that time to God just to be again I ask the question what does hurry look like in your life Regardless of age, where are you hurrying too much? Your hurry might be different, like I said. Is it the notifications on the phones that you've got that ping off every five seconds or whatever it is? I, um, I do you know what? Ian won't mind me sharing this because he's gone now. Um, somewhere else, not gone, probably gone. Um, I remember one evening going around his house and he had his mobile phone on the edge of his sofa like that and we're just chatting at a glass of glass of wine like this, this, this is our evening Kate was there Andrew was there it's a nice social evening ping 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 I said Ian why is, why is your phone pinging he said oh, it's just a few uh, emails from the elders it's Friday night it's you and me it's us ping 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 <laughs> I said, what are you doing? Turn it off. He said, I don't know how to. <laughs> Give us your phone for crying out loud. And, and it's, it's something that, that when I went through what I went through, because I'm on a lot of WhatsApp chats and obviously emails and church and that, I actually deleted the email app and I turned off all notifications uh, for everything whilst I was convalescing. I haven't turned them back on. I'm not going to. 
because you get to a point where it's like this becomes your master. And this is a danger for a younger generation, and maybe for some of you guys as well, certainly for young people. I never put my phone on loud ring, it's always on silent. So any texts, if you, if you don't hear from me, there's probably a reason why. Because <laughs> I just don't know about it until I go and look. And I've had to learn to do that. Because if I didn't, then it would be constantly pinging like Ian's was that night. But turning it all off has just been radical. And I was talking to Corinne recently when hers was going off quite a lot. And I just said, why, why have you got all your notifications going in like this all the time? All the time. And it's just like, yeah, but... I said, no, no, yeah, but. <laughs> Who's in charge? You or the phone? And I think it's really important that, that we just turn this off or even just the notifications off silent. I mean, obviously, if you haven't had anyone call you that day and a ping goes off, great, excellent, fantastic. But it's sometimes if it's constant, if it's constant all the time, it just gets too much. So I'm now the master of my phone. And Wayne and I were discussing this series on um, Thursday morning, we met. And he, he's using this passage of scripture, and I'll, I'll read it now to you. It's from the New Living Translation. Uh, it's Romans 12, verse 2. And the, the version this says, Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. When Jesus went off before breakfast to pray, a lot of scholars have kind of gone, what did he pray? And we have passages of scripture in John's Gospel where it actually says specifically who he's praying for. But what was he doing? What was his prayer before breakfast that he was taking that time out? Some scholars have said, well, he was just asking the Father what miracles he was going to do that day, where he was to go, and the Father would reveal it to him. And that's where he knew where to go, because it does seem with Jesus' pattern of work in, in ministry, it seems very particular. We're going here, we're going there, we're going there, and we're going to minister to this person and to that person. And for some, they weren't ministered to at all, because Jesus was all about glorifying his Father in heaven. So when we're too busy <laughs> with whatever we're doing and we're not giving God that time to go, I want you to speak to this person or I want you today to take some time out because you got a bit overwhelmed yesterday or actually I want you to share some coffee with this person. I want you to pray for that person where do we have the times in our lives where we can hear God saying that if we are completely busy and in a hurry? We need to stop sometimes. When, I've, when I stop and I reflect and I completely stop with God, that's when I find him talk to me. Sometimes when I'm rushing about doing my thing, it's like you can't get a word in. Gary, 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 yeah, in a minute, in a minute. <laughs> in a minute, I'll be there in a minute. Well, that minute never comes, does it? So regardless of how old or young we are, we cannot allow the world to shape us, but we must let God transform us and transform our diaries. 
and our days. We do that by ruthlessly eliminating hurry and drawing closer to him in our everyday life. Let me pray. Father, I pray for each one of us here this morning. Lord, I I do not know what hurry looks like in their lives. I know what it looks like in my life. And Father, forgive me and forgive us for the times when we have just been too busy to spend some time with you. Father, even if it's as simple as putting the kettle on, having a cup of tea or coffee and just sitting and being with you to hear your voice. Father, help us to get into our lives times when we can do that and turn off the TV or turn off the phone or whatever it might be and just be in that place of solitude and silence with you where we can hear your voice. Where we can be led to pray for someone. And Father, maybe there are those in this room this morning that hurry just isn't something that's in their lives and they've got this lovely uh, rhythm that they have with you. Father, help us to learn from them. Help us to learn. Father, just help us over this coming rest of this day and this week just to ponder and think, where am I too busy? Where am I hurrying around? Um, And it's not giving time for you and I uh, to to just have that time where we can just hear from your voice. Father, as it says in scripture, we must come to you, all who are weary and burdened, and you will give us rest. Father, for those that are here this morning that may be weary and a bit burdened, Father, would you give them rest? Would you bring healing by your yoke, which is easy, which isn't hard? Father, as we draw closer uh, to your Son, we know we draw closer to you. We thank you for your word and we thank you for the words of this book uh, that have been really helpful. And I pray over the next couple of weeks, Lord, that this will be fruitful for every single one of us. In Jesus' name, Amen.